everybody. Welcome to the EquipCast, a weekly podcast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Jim Jansen. Now let's dive into some encouragement and inspiration to equip you to live your faith and to be fruitful in your mission. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I'm your host. And I just sit down with an old friend, Greg Doring, and we talk about small groups for men. Greg is a husband and a father and an evangelical entrepreneur. He and his wife, Adrian, made a decision to stay in their neighborhood parish and to see if they could make an impact as missionaries there. Uh, They resisted the temptation to go off to the destination parish. Uh, They wanted to bloom where the Lord had planted them. And eight years later, Greg shares beautiful stories of how his investment in the lives of a few men has overflowed to his children and transformation in these guys' lives. He talks about these small groups and how they intentionally made a decision when they started to not go after the low-hanging fruit, but to go after men who were very unlikely to want to be in a small group or in a Bible study. He talks about how he only had two hours a week to give, but how the Lord used that to bless this group. Amazing stories of people experiencing conversion, uh, coming back to confession, falling in love with the Lord in adoration. Greg addresses just the power of micro-resolutions and what that does in the context of these small groups for men. He talks about the fear of failure and how we need to step out and actually take a risk, uh, particularly those of us as men, to share our faith a little bit. You're going to love this conversation. So take a listen. Greg Doring, welcome to the Equipcast. How you doing, Greg? I am great, Jim. It's, it's a lot of fun to be here with you. Yeah, this is great. So we, we should probably start with like the true story disclaimer. We've been friends for a long time, 1999. Yeah, 24 years. Yeah, brand new missionaries focused at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, roommates, and man, the, the world's turned a couple times since then. You got assigned to another campus with Focus, University of Illinois, after Nebraska, and then you uh, struck out in business. I'll let you tell a little bit of your own story, did a number of different things, but You've been doing some really cool stuff with men's ministry uh, in your parish down in Kansas. And so I want to talk about that. But just before we jump in, tell people a little bit about your your story of faith. Sure, sure, Jim. So I've, I have I was with Focus in two different stints for a total of about 10 years. I left for, for good about 10 years ago. Uh, my wife and I had an entrepreneurial itch, and boy, we, we've we've scratched the heck out of it the last ten years. Uh, like I've I've started four different businesses in the last ten years. It's exciting. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. But God, God kind of wired me so that uh, I I kind of need to have one foot in ministry and one foot in business. And anytime I have both feet in one or the other, I, I'm restless. Mm. It's a special hardwiring, I think. I love, I love that. Yeah, but 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 it's been fun. It definitely keeps uh, keeps life interesting. Yeah, I mean, I would just say we need evangelical entrepreneurs now. You know, as the church kind of goes through this kind of change of the ages, we're not able to continue to rely on some of the approaches and methodologies that have served us so well for so many years. Right. And so I love that the Lord keeps drawing you back. You know that 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 entrepreneurial itch also comes comes back to the service of the church too. 
Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I, the, the creativity and the freedom to fail is a beautiful thing. Like when you give yourself permission, whether it's business or ministry, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to try something. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I just hope that if it fails, it fails fast. <laughs> so I can cross that off and move on to the next thing. You're like, All right. Next, next idea. That's right. So Craig, talk a little, just what's your, what's your face story? So my faith story, uh, I was a nominal kind of nominal Catholic family. Uh, I went to Catholic schools uh, growing up in Kansas City, and this was this was the '80s. Catholic education was not terribly dynamic at that time. Mm-hmm. Going through high school, I was a uh, I was just not in a great crowd outside of high school. I was I was messing around a little bit with parish youth groups, but that was more just to meet girls, frankly. Oh, I am shocked. <laughs> and uh, it, it was senior year. I was invited to go on a, on a retreat, kind of a weekend experience retreat. And I said, wow, what, what the heck? This is probably February of my senior year. That weekend was just a grace-filled weekend for me. And uh, I just, I think I encountered Jesus sincerely for the first time. And Mm -hmm. I I internalized everything he did for me and that he was asking for all of me back. Mm. I knew that I was only giving him small fractions of of myself at the time. Mm -hmm. And that there were a lot of, a lot of tears that weekend. And I really saw what uh, I had the gratitude for him well up in me, but also kind of that, that hard call of like, no, I, I need to give a lot more and make some changes. And so that that's what started me. After high school, I went to K-State. St. Isidore's was a uh, great experience for me, uh, you know, just learning, figuring out what it means to be a, a young Catholic man. By the time I graduated K-State, I thought I had it figured out. And then I, I joined Focus and uh, got a big dose of humble pie of, uh, wow, no, there's there's levels to this and I, I'm, I'm quite a few levels down. So... <laughs> That that was amazing, and that time with Focus definitely uh, transformed my life, and I think kind of set me on the path that I am now. Yeah, I echo a lot of you know a lot of rhyme to both of our our journeys, and we got to do a lot of that together at the beginning. And I remember we were like, you know, this is when Focus was first getting started. We were you know both part of like that first group of of missionaries, the first twelve, you know, uh, and we had to figure out like, how do you reach men? And, you know, I remember like, you know, kind of, you know, walking on the campus, praise God. I think we were able to do that fruitfully then. And you've been able to continue that in your life as a husband and father and, you know, guy with a mortgage and starting businesses. At this point, you're several years into this journey of leading really cool small groups for men. But if you would, Kind of take us back to the beginning. Like, how did this get started? Yeah. So let's see. It, the story really started about 11 years ago when we bought the house that we're in now. Anybody who's gone through that the home buying experience uh, can probably relate. You know, when we were when we were house hunting, we had the list of things that all right, whatever house we we get in, we, it needs these things, mm-hmm. and then it would be really cool to have a few of these things on this list, and. One of the things on the second list was, oh, it, it'd be really cool to be within walking distance of our parish, of our church. That'd be that would be cool. Mm-hmm. That's hard to pull off, but it'd be cool. God and his providence just uh, opened up a great opportunity for us. And we found a house, uh, a great house that could fit our, our future family. 
literally across the street from from the church and mm. it's just been a dream and so we walk to church there's an adoration chapel we can walk to adoration the kids walk to school each morning it's just been an incredible blessing wow that's awesome and so when we when we got here and we we moved in and we were getting to know the parish it's a great parish but it's in some ways it's kind of a your typical midwestern suburban mega parish it's not Absolutely mm-hmm. massive, but it's on the bigger side. Mm-hmm. It's a big Catholic school there. Uh, so lots of engaged young families, but it's not particularly dynamic. The folks are great. You know, lots of natural virtue, lots of faith, maybe not a ton of catechesis, if you will, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we moved in and and it was interesting because we kind of had a decision point early on that because uh, we had a lot of friends uh, all around the city. They live where they live, but they choose to drive across town to the super dynamic, liturgically wonderful parish. Yeah, the destination parish. The destination parish. That's that's right. And, and so you know, we're like, are we going to do that or or not? Because there's there's some appeal to that for sure. But we just felt like, especially with my background and, and my identity as a missionary, and the fact that God just plopped us right across the street, we said, you know, I, I think. I think we need to dig in here. I, I think we're called to dig deep in, in this parish. And so that's what we've we've tried to do. Greg, can I ask, how hard was that? And have you questioned that since then? Because I love that. I mean, my, my heart is the same, you know, this like, okay, this is where the Lord has placed me. And so let's go. I'm, I'm going to yep. be a missionary yep. here. But that's hard. We've been here a long time. In different seasons, it's been harder uh, than others. As my kids are getting older, uh, my oldest, we have five kids, uh, oldest is 13. You know, I, I want to show them more. Mm. We've talked about, uh, and we, have, we haven't really done it yet, because frankly, with the chaos of Sunday morning and the fact that we live across the street, uh, <laughs> it's actually a pretty heavy lift. Because we, we, we've talked about maybe like maybe once a month we'll do mass on the road and we'll go to, you know, just get it, you know, give them another experience over there. That hasn't happened very often yet, but we sure like it too. Yeah, I'm five minutes from my my parent and we're still like our pastor lives closer, but I don't know if anybody lives much closer and I still can't make it on time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah same here, same here. But it's also been really gratifying because, you know, because we've been doing this for in earnest about eight years, the impact that we've seen in our peer group and really, you know, me reaching out to and, and working with these fellow dads and my wife doing, you know, small group with some great moms mm-hmm. over eight years, we've seen it trickle down and, you know, their kids are friends with our kids and, and their, their kids are, they are different than what they would have been yeah. without us here. Wow. So like we, we've been able to build up a better, more virtuous friend group for our kids because we, we, we started planting seeds eight years ago. And now those are, those are nice. Those are nice trees, if you will. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I really appreciate that. It took some time. Maybe, I mean, we can come back and kind of talk about the the development and how you got there, but just so maybe just like where you're at now, what kind of fruit have you seen? Like, give us an idea of like this movement, like both just like numbers like you know people involved but also like the the story of of you know people's lives that have been impacted sure you know just doing doing the math so we've we have about i think about eight small groups going on right now in the parish with young dads probably about 80 or 90 young dads that are active in it that's awesome the groups meet typically every like twice a month mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's not a weekly thing that we just found that that to be too big of a commitment. Uh, monthly was no, was not enough. So twice a month is kind of that Goldilocks just right. Yeah. As far as fruit, man, there's been there's been a ton, uh, especially especially early on when it was more of a of a win a win thing. All right, when we when we set out, we didn't want to just get the low hanging fruit. We didn't want to just get the guys who had you know, come to about anything. Yeah. Our goal was to pull in dads who would normally never go near a small group. And so to do that, we had to uh, kind of reverse engineer what we wanted to offer. But as far as the fruit, I mean, a lot of those guys coming in because we were able to get a lot of those kind of guys and just introductions to adoration, returns to confession, returns to, you know, bringing your family to, to Sunday mass on a regular basis. Uh, you know, we saw all those things. So I just have to like highlight. So you're, so you're saying we decided to start these groups, but we didn't go after the grand night and the head of the men or whatever, like the guys that you would expect to be interested in a small group. You went after guys that weren't maybe taken their family to mass and hadn't been to confession in a long time and weren't walking across the street to adoration. Right. Right. And I mean, and you know, the, the, the thought was, and I think it was true is if we can get some of those guys, uh, the low hanging fruit, we're going to get them too. Yeah. We did, we don't have to exert a lot of effort to get those guys. They're going to come along, but we need to aim high for that other group. Okay. How did you do that? Because I want to highlight the fact that you didn't just get the people who wanted to be in a small group. I mean, that's huge. And that I think that's very counterintuitive. I can feel like I can hear people's minds being blown now. But the, but then the, the question is like, well, crap, how do you do that? Because for some of us, it sounds scary to invite somebody into a small group that you know is going to say yes. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I don't want that guy. I mean, I do, but I, I'm going to, I'll get him easy enough. I want to start with a guy who's not interested. How'd you do that, Greg? Well, Jim, I mean, you know me. I, I'm a super, I'm a really cool guy. <laughs> uh, no, you, you know, that's not the case. Here's what happened. And and it was it was by, by God's grace. But we moved in here 11 years ago. We didn't really get started in earnest uh, until about eight years ago. That three years in between, doing something like this was on my heart. But I did not have the bandwidth. I was... At the time, I was still with Focus and traveling a lot for that job. Mm -hmm. We were just moving in. We were having babies left and right. And I left Focus, and we were starting uh, a crazy uh, business out of our house uh, that was pretty risky and overwhelming. Thanks, thanks be to God, it worked out okay. But I, I was drowning in life. And so it was on my heart, but I did not have any ability to do it. And it was it was about three years in into this house that the business stabilized a little bit and there was a little break in the babies mm -hmm. and there seemed to be a little bit of a time, a little bit like I, I have a little bit of time. I don't think I'm going to get more time than this. Right. Uh, and so I just kind of had to nap out and say like, all right, how much time could I realistically give to an apostolate week in, week out? And mm -hmm. the number I came up with was I, I don't think I can commit more than two hours a week. Thank you for saying that. That's super realistic. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I had to. I, I would. Yeah, th there was no way. And, and frankly, when, when I came to that, coming from a focused background, when we were working on campus for 50 plus hours a week, and even with those 50 plus hours, it didn't always feel like we were really moving the needle sometimes. Yeah. That uh, I was like, two hours? Like, what? 
what can I do with two hours? That's not going to go anywhere, you know? And, and it was really discouraging. And I also didn't know what I was doing with the parish. And I feel like there was a lot of headwinds when I first started thinking about it. In prayer, I decided, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just try. It, it was really, Jim, it was really kind of my my personal loaves and fish moment. Yeah. Like, I'm going to, this seems so paltry, so tiny, but I'm going to just offer it and let's just see where it goes. Let's see what happens. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, when you were saying this, they're like, what are two hours for so many? My mind immediately went to the, the five loaves and two fish. So once I decided uh, that we were going to do it, I started thinking about kind of my my time with Focus. And Jim, when you and I were hired by Focus, they didn't just hire us and toss us out on campus. They they hired us. We We found our team. And as a team, we trained together. Mm-hmm. And then only after that did we go out as a team onto campus and, and do outreach. And, and so mm-hmm. we attempted to kind of model that. What, what was fortunate in, in those three years, those three dormant years at the parish before I got started, those were not in vain because in a very natural way, I got to know a ton of the guys, not deeply, but, you know, just built rapport, mm-hmm. you know, some acquaintances, some young friendships. I got to know uh, a lot of the guys, and I that there were four guys that I considered. I, is your audience familiar with Fact? Have they have they gone through that before? Or no? But go ahead and introduce it if you want. So th- these guys were uh, they were faithful guys. They may not be super well catechized, but they were. I would I would call them post conversion. Uh, they love Jesus. Mm-hmm. They had a heart for others. So they were they were f faithful. They were available. Young dads are. I think one of the hardest fish to catch in uh, in in this ocean of, of men. Oh yeah, and part of that is because young dads are insanely busy between uh, family and and job. Right, career starting up, and I'm a new dad, and I, yeah, all of it. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it's insane. Uh, so really, availability for guys like this it means hunger. They're like they're willing, like they may not be on paper available, but they're willing to make themselves available to be there. And the T is teachable. So uh, these guys don't, they, they have a, a humility about them. They don't have, they don't feel like they have it all mm-hmm. figured out. That was the T. Sorry, I missed the, the C. The C is, is contagious, uh, which for these guys, I mean, all four of these guys, they'd been in the parish longer than I had. They were well networked. They were kind of influencers. They were mm-hmm. well-respected guys in the parish. And, uh, and we're all kind of peers, kind of young dads. So faithful, available, contagious, teachable. They were all fact. These are the guys who were like, all right, I, I could build something with. And so I had them all over on my patio a couple of times one summer. And uh, and we just kind of talked about, you know, like I, we're kind of making this up as we go. But they, you know, they all had a hunger for something more. Frankly, like, I think we all wanted some some true Christian community and fraternity. Yeah. We also, you know, wanted to reach out. We knew a lot of really good guys that probably needed mm-hmm. to deepen their faith. And so I kind of pitched this to them. I, I said, you know, like we we can be, you know, the beginning of this leadership group to do this. If you're in, all four of you, you have to be willing to lead your own study at some point when, when the need arises. That could be in two months, it could be in two years. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But to be in this leadership group, you have to be willing to lead your own group. Doing it this way was massive. If there was one thing I would communicate, you know, if somebody was trying to do something remotely like this, it would be to find find some leaders and start as a group of leaders 
first because the alternative is say like, well, this is on my heart and, you know, I, maybe I kind of know what I'm doing, maybe not, but whatever, but this is kind of my idea. So I guess I'm the leader. So who wants to, who wants to be in a group? I'll lead it. And you'll probably get a group and it might very well go, go quite well. It could go for decades, who knows? But, but when you start like that, nine times out of 10, it's not going to go beyond that group. It, it will not grow beyond that. that. Might That group might be awesome and they might grow deeply for decades, but it will not go beyond that. I mean, I can just verify professionally again and again and again. They're like, it's a great group of guys, but those five, six are the only ones that are impacted. And at the beginning, you're like, guys, we, we all can do this. And the timing is up to the Lord, but like you put a call to that that this little movement would grow into the very beginning like the dna at the start was we're, we're going to let the lord use us to lead others this isn't just for ourselves yep amen and to kind of go back to your original question of you know how did we get some of this uh, higher hanging fruit what we decided to do when we when we kind of created our offering we said okay to get to get that kind of guy who is who would not normally come to a bible study this is how we're going to do it we're going to we're not going to do really anything on the church grounds this is going to be in homes on on in backyards patios fire pits whatever uh maybe occasionally like the back room of a bar whatever mm-hmm. you know for, for young dads they have maybe 90 to two hours 90 minutes to two hours a night of maybe elective time after the kids go to bed yeah maybe maybe what whatever we do it's going to start at probably 8 8 15 8 30 you know, and be done by 10. And so that's the window. It was wet, bring a beer, bring a whiskey or not, whatever, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But, and it had no name. There, there was never, it was not in the bulletin. There was no pulpit announcement. It had no name uh, by design. Yeah. Because for those kind of guys, any kind of branding, anything in the bulletin, you're already, you already got two two and a half strikes against you. Right. If it's a program you're like, Hey, do you want to come to the Emmaus? Like, I don't even know. Don't stop talking. I don't, but no. Yeah. You're, you're done. I'm out. Yes. I, I'm absolutely out. We just tried to have this. I mean, it was very, uh, orchestrated, but it was, the feel was, was very organic that yeah. this is just a handful of dads getting together a couple times a month, have some laughs, uh, have a drink and, but also talk about how to be better men and you know, over over time, you know, learn a lot more about the church and 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 your faith and everything. And so to invite those kind of guys, it was a very low barrier for entry. All I have to do is like go over to Jim's backyard Tuesday night and and have a few drinks. Uh, okay, I'll try it out. And and so we were able to get a lot of guys to come try it out. And yeah, some of them didn't come back. Boy, a lot of them did, and yeah. a lot of them stuck. And, and it helped. I mean, the, those the five of us, especially those four other guys. They had some gravitas in the parish, right? So, like, right. there was these were these were good like guys that were very well thought of. So, if you got an invitation from Ben or Tim, uh, I, I'm I'm probably gonna take him up on it. Yeah. Now, I just have to verify something, Greg. You are not talking about a bait and switch here, meaning like, hey, you know, Tim invites, hey, do you want to come over to the backyard? We're just gonna, you know, fire pit. We're just gonna have a drink, and then he gets there, and it's a Bible study. No, 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 no. It's casual. It's not named, but the intentionality about, hey, you know, we're guys and we're hanging out casually, but we do want to grow and be better husbands and better fathers. And we want to know more about our faith. That 
that was transparent too. Absolutely. So my invitation, my typical invitation would be something like this, you know, like, I, Hey John, I don't know if this is your bag or not, but you know, we, we got a, a bunch of guys to get together. Uh, next Wednesday, we're coming, just hang out in my, in my fire pit, have a few drinks. We also talk about how to be better men and, and, you know, kind of challenge each other and some stuff, but it's just, it's very chill. It's a great group of guys. Uh, love to have you come by if you want. And if not, no worries. And, and just, just lay it out there like that. And yeah. And, and see, see where it goes. Yeah. It's not just about fire and whiskey. It is about being better men. And I would also assume it's not like you're making this invitation as you and they know, oh, Greg's a guy who, I mean, he goes to church, he's into his faith. So that context is not, uh, is not unknown. And that helps provide right. a little bit of that too. Okay. So I think for a lot of people, you know, I'm nerding out a little bit. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, you know, it's not a, not an easy thing to, to pull off. Just give people a little bit like, how are the groups structured? How are they led? I don't want to spend too much here, but just a little bit, you know, yeah. it, just some of the nuts and bolts, materials, all of those kind of questions. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, again, the, the vibe is pretty chill. And so let's say like my group would get together at 8.15, you know, probably uh, 8.15, 8 to, 8 to 30, you know, we're just chatting it up, just shooting it a little bit. Every time we get together at the end of the group, we make resolutions. Nice. It's like a little micro challenge for yourself. You, It's not given to you. Mm -hmm. You create your own resolution. Usually something, you know, it could be prayer, sacraments, uh, character development, uh, being a better dad, being a better husband, whatever, you know, just something that's on your heart. At the beginning of the next time we get together, we, you know, we check in and and have accountability and how, how do we do in those? That's actually one of the best parts of it uh, because it's easy to just sit around and talk about this and that and then go back to your own life. But actually to have some kind of action point, even if it's a little thing that you're going to be asked about in two weeks, just, you know, moves the men into action. Yeah. And, and that's, that's been great. So we go through, we do that. That's fairly quick. And then we we get into content and really, gosh, the content is wide ranging, Jim. Um, when we first started, we used uh, Focus Equip, Bible Studies. Again, went through them all uh, at the time, ran out of those and then got creative. Uh, we've done lots of different book studies. We do podcasts. There's a great Bible study lecturer on audible.com that we've really fallen for. Nice. There's just a ton of great stuff. That, that's what... The blessing is, and that's, it's always one of the first questions I get is, oh, what, what's your content? Content in 2023 is not a problem, okay? There, there's so much great stuff. What we use the content for, ideally, is a jumping off point into conversation, mm -hmm. into relevant conversation. It's just grist for the mill. Like We're, we're trying to get, get that conversation going. I can only speak to men. For men, that I think that's where uh, the wheels really get turning. And, yeah. and you're processing. We're not, this isn't a class. We're not just trying to go through a curriculum, but we're, we're trying to hit on, you know, some, some relevant, some interesting stuff to them that may, they may or may not know and, and just see where the conversation goes. Yeah. Th thank you for saying that. Cause as soon as you're saying, it's like, this is not a class that just happens to be outside uh, around a fire pit. And that, and that's different because I think sometimes small groups not that this is bad, but sometimes small groups are a class or they're like a catechetical, uh, highly catechetical moment. And again, not, not that that's bad, but 
for the target audience, guys that aren't necessarily practicing their faith or aren't, you know, or, or could use a little bit more practice, it's got to be conversational so that people can personally appropriate what they're hearing at, at a pace that fits them. And I can totally see how those little micro resolutions fit, you know, and they're like, oh man, it's like, okay, I can make this little resolution that fits me. Uh, and I might notice that, you know, the guy across the, you know, sit next to me has maybe something a little bit more aggressive, which, you know, might inspire me in the future. But for now, I, I get I get to do something at my pace. Yeah, you do it at your pace. And and really, there's, I mean, sometimes the content lends itself to a resolution, obviously, but there can be a little bit of competitiveness with the guys or just piggybacking like, oh, that's a really good one. I'm doing that too. Yeah. You know, and, and just, and just something that we've created that way. So that's awesome. So, I mean, maybe, maybe that conversation goes for 45 to an hour. Uh, we have a little bit of shared prayer to wrap it up. And then, you know, we, we always kind of get to a stopping point. People can stay and chat and hang out as long as they want. Mm -hmm. Nobody's held captive. And so after prayer, it's kind of like, you know, stick around or head out, whatever you need to do. That's awesome. Greg, if you would, can you just kind of translate or bring this to life? Because some of, you know, some of those guys, they're, they're coming in, they're not necessarily taking their family to the church that, you know, adoration is not a habit for them. Confession's been a long time. How did those, you know, twice a month nights translate into those habits, that kind of transformation yeah. change in people's lives? I think a couple of things. One, that resolution and accountability is a big part because if you keep coming back and you're drawn to this group and a number of the guys keep saying like, oh, I need to go. I, I'm due for confession. I need to go to confession. Oh, I, I will. I'm going to do that too. I mean, there's a certain, there's a certain kind of positive peer pressure. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Right. Like, oh man, I haven't been to confession in five years, 10 years, whatever. Like I should probably go there too. So I, I think that helps on adoration. I'll tell you, one of my favorite memories was this is probably in the first six months of doing this. I had, I had a new group, a young group, and a pretty raw group. There were a lot of guys in that group that did not, <laughs> their depth of the church, of, of their faith was not, not very uh, deep. And so conversation of adoration came up. Probably half the guys or more in the group had never been in adoration, didn't really know what it was. There is an adoration chapel. It was in my backyard. There was an adoration chapel across the street. And so in that moment, I was just like, hey, guys, let's just uh, let's go for a walk. <laughs> so we just stood up and walked across the street. And I, I was able to introduce these guys to kind of, you know, pave the road. Like, this is this is where it is. This is how you get. This is the code to punch in. Let's go in and say hi to Jesus. Oh, that's fantastic. God bless that poor old lady who was just like ambushed <laughs> by all these guys on a on a Wednesday night at nine o'clock. But I got to introduce those guys. And oh, that's so cool. It was cool. One one of the guys who was this was a new concept for. This is this really struck me a couple couple months ago. His son, I mean, he's been in it like probably seven years now. His his son is a fifth grader. And this winter, uh, he had, I think there was maybe about a half hour gap between school lets out and his son had basketball practice. Mm. You know, his son could have uh, chatted up with his buddies or goofed off or whatever, you know, a million different things. But his son said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go, like, I'm going to go uh, have some time in adoration before, before basketball practice. Wow. His dad didn't know what adoration was seven years ago. Yeah. He found the path to it. He came back again and again. He brought his son. And now his son is to the point where 
he's he can do it himself yeah. and the son I, I have a fifth grade boy they're friends like that's his son is now you know friends with mine and, and another influence there with my son. So it's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So Greg, these things often, I mean, just again, in the nerdy professional ministry world uh, that I am a part of, a lot of times these things burn themselves out or they just, they stay one group. Not that it's a bad thing, but the impact is limited. What was the key to actually making this sustainable? and and helping it to grow i will, I will say the, the growth piece is it's not a given mm -hmm. and, and i think our natural tendencies have to be defeated for it to keep growing mm -hmm. because it, it's it's easy to just kind of turn in like oh this is great i found my group we're good you know i don't i don't need to be so heavy on outreach or putting myself out there yeah i think one of the things we've found because our leadership you know we started with five of us We've gotten to as high as maybe 10 or 11 of us and most of us having our own groups. But what we've what we've seen is, you know, eight years is a chunk of time. Mm -hmm. And a number of those guys that were in the in the first the first group or like the soon to be added leaders, mm -hmm. you know, from five to six to seven to eight. A lot of those guys aren't in leadership anymore. Mm -hmm. Most of them have still have are in a group. So most of them still lead a group. But maybe their fire, their evangelical fire hasn't, uh, <laughs> it's simmered mm -hmm. a little bit. And they, they, they kind of grew content with, with the group they have. And just like you mm -hmm. said, that's not a bad thing. Okay, that is not a bad thing to have that group and, and to go you know, for decades with it and go deep. But that's also not what we're about right. as leaders. And so what's kind of happened is some of those older guys – they self-selected out. They, they kept with their group. And for us, we got really intentional about like, okay, we're going to, we need to add more guys, but we need to, we need to get skew younger. Mm. All right. There, this is a big Catholic school. We, we have 800 kids in our Catholic school. Yeah. That's good size. Every year, there's a ton of new, new dads into the fold, into the mix. And frankly, at this point, eight years in all of our peer group, uh, they've already been invited a ton of times. If they if they're going to come, right, gonna, yeah. <laughs> they would have come by now. And not to say we can't invite again, but what we wanted to make sure we didn't do was just stay in this in this uniform, you know, this age. Right, yeah. We just start getting older and grayer, and now we're the old guys. We, we wanted like, this is going to be dynamic. We have to reach young. We have to reach back younger. And so we made a concerted effort a few years ago to uh, to do that. And so. We, we've been able to pull in a handful of new guys into our leadership who are younger. They have the fire. They're energetic. They're fantastic guys. And so what at times was kind of stressful for us with this, like, oh, man, some of these original guys are kind of cooling off on this. And mm. what do we do with it? We've found that like, man, actually, this I feel like this is kind of a, a healthy life cycle. It'd be great if they stayed, if those original guys stayed hot and, and wanted to keep going. But if they do, if they cool off. They cool off, mm -hmm. but we we replace them with young, you know, fiery guys mm -hmm. ready to ready to go out there who are on fire to reach others. And, and so, if we keep doing that, then I, I think we stay really healthy. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, just my own experience. I mean, we're basically the same age. To have, I mean, I just have to be honest. I'm not a young dad anymore. I am a dad of young children, but I'm not a young dad anymore. <laughs> and and intentionally inviting in young dads 
make sure that, yeah, it doesn't become kind of an insular one generation only experience. You know, with that, just uh, something that's been really helpful for us, some language that we use. There's a great Protestant writer, uh, John Eldridge, and he, in one of his books, he kind of lays out kind of three different groups of, of men in the church. I don't know if you've heard this before, but... I've not, no. It's the warriors, the kings, and the sages. And the warriors mm. are those young dads, you know, ascending business, ascending career, young family, like they're... It's, it's a very physically demanding time. You're changing diapers. You're dealing with tantrums. You're probably dealing with a, a burned out wife. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like the boot rocket phase. It's very turbulent. The kings, those are older dads. Maybe their kids are, uh, they're not, they're, the diapers are pretty much done, uh, except for you, Jim. <laughs> but they are maybe high school, college age. You know, you're dealing with very different problems yeah. than with the little kids. Professionally, you're probably kind of at the pinnacle of your influence and all that. So it's the warriors, the sages. I mean, the warriors, the kings, and the sages are obviously you're coming off that that, that pinnacle. You're moving into retirement. Yeah. Uh, you suddenly have a lot of extra time. You have grandkids, but you still have a lot to offer. But you're just mm -hmm. in a very, very different season. We've been able to articulate that. Like that's it's really helped us because yeah, when we started this, we were more on the warrior side. Eight years in. We're, a lot of us are moving towards kings, but we need more warriors. Right. And and the reason why we started all this in the beginning is because all the men's stuff in our parish were, were completely dominated by the sages. So we wanted something for us. Greg, that's uh, that's awesome. Our our time is just totally flown by. This is this is amazing, and I think really hopeful too. You know, when when we were talking, I have done this professionally. I've helped other people do this. But I've also failed at this. I mean, I've tried this and felt like I've gotten shut out and had a hard time getting getting something started. So I feel like I can relate to the victories and to the challenge. And, and I know there's some people listening who desire this and haven't been able to. Yeah, I want to make sure that, that they know like, okay, you know, Jesus loves you. Uh, but, you know, the Lord loves you, even if your outreach doesn't work. Amen. I was sharing this before we, we, we turned on the, the mics, but I've been uh, the last couple of years very struck by the, the baptism of Jesus and how before he does anything, before he heals anybody, he goes on any, any preaching, any like he's the very start of his ministry, he's baptized and the father, as he comes up out of the water, the father says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And at least for me, my you know, shows kind of where my heart is at. My first reaction is like, what? Why are you well pleased? He hasn't done anything yet. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's the point, right? Like the father loves us before we do anything. And Jesus's tremendous work for the kingdom is because he's loved, not because he's trying to earn love. And so I just, you know, I think this has been a very hopeful conversation, but I want to make sure that people don't miss that. Yeah, let me add something to that. It's interesting in this in this apostolate, you know, I've I've worked with a lot of a lot of high powered guys. Okay, I mean, just high pays, go getters. Because of that, they've they've had a lot of worldly success in their life. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to something in like trying something like this, trying you know, like your own personal apostolate, leading your own study, or inviting people. It's so it's so crazy to me see, that I, I see this this sudden timidity in them. Yeah, you know, we're like, oh, I, I don't know. I I mean, what what if I fail? You know, what what if I tell them I'm, I'm straightforward? You know, gosh, if 
if you had this approach in the other parts of your life, you would not be where you are. Okay. Yeah. Like look at, look around, like our world needs people to put themselves out there a little mm-hmm. bit. Failure is okay. Yes. It's not trying is the problem. Go take a swing. If you strike out, you strike out, but the Lord just wants you to try. Yeah. Just take a swing and give it your best swing. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But again, that's part of being an evangelical entrepreneur, you know, uh, if you're going to fail, that's okay. Fail fast. And then, you know, learn from it and try something else. I mean, amen. I mean, for those of us, again, who are dads, pick your sport, but I love my children unconditionally and I'm proud of them in any kind of athletic endeavor that they try. I struggle. I feel, oh, I feel it for it when, when they don't try, when they refuse to step up to the plate. I, I am a little disappointed, not because I don't love them, but because I, I, I know they missed something. But when they step up to the plate and they swing with all their might and they totally whiff, I'm actually proud of them. Yep. Because I remember those times in my life where I didn't step up to the plate or I didn't take a swing. And that's what I regret. I never regret taking a swing and missing. I, I regret the times I didn't take a swing. Shoot your shot. Shoot your shot. See what happens. Greg, any any closing advice for for people listening to this? How to get started? Uh, I mean, I I think it's it's just to take action, and if you're able to start with a few a few kindred spirits, a few like minded people, that you could do whatever you're you're going to endeavor to do, do it as a group, as a team, a leadership team. It doesn't take much more time. It just takes a little more intentionality, but the impact can be exponentially more. And frankly, your experience doing it is a lot more enjoyable because you're doing it shoulder to shoulder with friends and you're in mission with friends. And you're not just the feeder with all these people that that are you know just kind of consuming what you're giving them. That leads to burnout. That can lead to a certain uh, loneliness. So doing it shoulder to shoulder with, with friends, uh, if you're able, is so much better. That's awesome. Greg, we don't do this very often, but would you just lead us in just in a, a short prayer here, just just praying for everybody listening. But I'm just thinking about those guys who are maybe, maybe they're thinking right now, crap, <laughs> I think Jesus might want me to do this. Do you just pray for those listening who maybe this is stirring something in them? Absolutely. May the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, uh, wherever this is, this is reaching, uh, whoever's ears, these are, this is reaching, just soften their hearts, embolden them, give them the confidence to shoot their shot for whatever this is knowing that uh there's really there's really no failure uh even if even if the efforts aren't received the grace is going somewhere in the in the body of christ uh, there is good that's coming out of it even if you don't see it with your own eyes but it can only that, that can only happen if we take action so jesus just uh, just inspire those who are hearing this to to level up whatever their next step is that maybe they're already doing something and and add another layer to it or take it where in their heart they need they know it needs to go uh or for those who are looking to start uh just draw a line in the sand and and get started and see see what the lord does bring him your loaves and fish and and see what see how he blesses it amen amen thank you greg it's been great. Oh, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Jim. 
All right, everybody, you you know somebody who needs to hear this. Let the Lord show you like who needs to hear this. There's there's somebody, uh, maybe it's someone who you'd like to like, hey, let's do this together. Let's be a team on this. You know, maybe it's uh, someone that, that needs a little bit of encouragement. Whoever it is, I uh, encourage you to share this out. Thanks for listening to the EquipCast. We hope this episode has inspired you to live your faith and equip you to be fruitful in your mission. Stay connected with us by going to equip.archomaha.org. God bless and see you next time.